Let's take a moment in prayer before the message. Lord God, Heavenly Father, as we come before your word this morning, open our hearts to you, open up our minds to you, increase in us our desire for you, increase in us our faith in Christ Jesus. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So many years ago, about the turn of the 1900s in there, there was a pastor, D.A. Torrey. And one evening at church, he received a note that said, is there any place where I can find satisfaction for my soul? The note went on to say this, I've been looking for it everywhere. I've sought it in wealth, but have not found it. I sought it in society, but have not found it. I sought it in the pleasures of this world, but have not found it. I sought it in study, but have not found it. I have sought it in art, but have not found it. I've been seeking it in travel. I have just returned from a tour around the world seeking satisfaction for my heart, but have not found it. Can you tell me where I can find it? The note was unsigned. And so he read it before the meeting. And he replied this way, yes, I can tell that lady where she can find satisfaction this very night. She can find it in Jesus. And then he quoted scripture, whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well springing up into everlasting life. So at the close of the meeting, the woman came forward and she said to Pastor Tory, it was me who wrote that letter. And so Pastor Tory opened up his Bible and he showed her in scripture who Christ is. And that very night, she received Jesus as her Lord and Savior. So the next night she came back and then she came forward to give her testimony and she said this, Last night, I wrote a note to Pastor Tory asking him if there was any place I could find satisfaction for my soul. I sought it everywhere. I sought it in wealth, fashion, society, and pleasure, in study, art, and travel, but could not find it. Last night, I received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I have found the satisfaction that my soul has been seeking. The satisfaction of the soul. That was one of the main themes, the main messages last week, and we took a look at Jesus, who satisfied the hunger people have, Jesus being the bread of life. And now today, we will talk about Jesus quenching our thirst, the thirst of our soul, for he is our living water. And our roadmap this morning is this, and by the way, there are sermon notes. Each and every time on the tables, there will be sermon notes, so if you want one, Uh, and don't have one, please raise your hand and we'll get one to you. But our roadmap this morning is this. It is that living water is for everyone. Living water is a gift of God. Living water is received through worship in spirit and truth. And living water is Christ Jesus. 
So let's go to our text this morning. Living water is for everyone. And we start with John chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. It should be a 9 on there. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman uh, from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. So let me ask you, has there been or is there now somebody in your life that you really avoid? Like if you see them in the grocery store, have you ever done that? You see them in the grocery store, they're at one end of the aisle and you kind of like zip over to the other end of the aisle so you don't see them? I know nobody wants to admit something like that. Or maybe you have to drive down a certain street and your animosity towards that person is so great that they live there that you take the long way around rather than even going by their house. People do all sorts of things like this. I worked in corporate America, long hallways, and you'd see somebody, and you'd see somebody, oh, I don't want to see them, and they duck into a meeting room. Happens all the time. So as bad as those examples are, they pale into comparison the hatred that the Jews had for the Samaritans and the Samaritans had for the Jews. So the division between the two was legendary, and the term Samaritan almost was a term of contempt that would be spoken by the Jews. I found a couple of interesting things. Jewish rabbis during a certain time period said, let no man eat the bread of the Samaritans, for he who eats their bread is as he who eats swine's flesh. Here's another one popular prayer. And Lord, do not remember the Samaritans in the resurrection. There's hatred, there's animosity, right? So here's my question for you. Who is a Samaritan in your life? Look, right now in America, there is such division and hatred, isn't there? And there are people who tr President Trump and his cabinet or people who go to a Trump rally, all Samaritans, outcasts. Or take the reverse. Uh, Vice President Joe Biden, or going to a Biden rally. Never. Those are outcast people. Or Black Lives Matter, or Antifa, or any white supremacist. Now let's make it a little more personable. personal. How about one of your neighbors? maybe on your block? Are they a Samaritan in your life? Would you avoid all of those people? But here's the thing. Jesus did not avoid going through Samaria, and he did not avoid the Samaritan woman, did he? Look, he was weary from his ministry. He was tired. He probably simply wanted a break, but yet he knew 
that there was ministry to be done at that very well and ultimately for that very village. Because the ministry of Jesus Christ does not rest. It does not take a break. The gospel continues to be proclaimed everywhere to everyone because the need is so great and our Savior has greater grace and mercy. So not only did he not pass by, he stopped at the well in the heat of the day. It would have been about 12 noon. Some commentators talk about maybe a different time frame. I'm pretty well set that it was about 12 noon, the heat of the day. And then he also was in Samaria at a well, and he spoke to a woman. Not only a woman, but an immoral woman, as we found out, who had been married many times and now was living with a person who, a man who was not her husband. This was a great immorality. And for a rabbi to speak to a woman, a Samaritan woman, was unheard of. It was scandalous. But the gospel, when you take a look at the gospel, Jesus continually reaches out to those who are deemed unclean, to those who seem to be cast out from God's presence. For example, he reprimanded the disciples about the attitude they had regarding Samaritans. He healed a Samaritan leper. And who was the hero in the story of the Good Samaritan? It was the Samaritan who was the hero of that story who showed mercy. You see, Jesus' love reaches out to the outcast. And no one is beyond the hope that Jesus offers to them. See, maybe this morning you even might feel like one of those outcasts. It's a dry time in your life. It's the heat of the day, so to speak, in your life. Or you might know somebody, a friend, a family member, who also feels like an outcast. They too need to hear the gospel. They too need to have the living water that Jesus offers. So he comes to this woman at the well, just as he comes to you and me. He sits by our side and he says, I have a gift for you. And so we go to our next section. Living water is a gift of God. Verse 10 Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Just like the crowd last week we talked about, they didn't understand the miracle that was right before them. The woman at the well didn't understand who Jesus was the living water right before them. And we often are like that. We miss the whole point. We can't see beyond our noses. I came across an interesting account. Long time ago, South America, a crew of Peruvian sailors were heading toward the Amazon River, and they saw a Spanish ship anchored off the shore. Now, as that Peruvian ship approached them, 
they noticed that all of the Spaniards were on the deck, their lips were parched, and they cried out to them, water, water, we need fresh water. And the Peruvian sailors said, put your bucket over the side. And the Spaniards thought that they had been misunderstood and said, no, 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 we need fresh water. And the Peruvians again once said, drop your bucket, lower your bucket over the side. And finally, the Spaniards did that. And to their amazement, there was fresh water. See, they didn't know it. They were far enough away from uh, the coast that they couldn't see the land. But it was where the Amazon River came out and met the ocean, and they were surrounded by fresh water. It was right in front of them, and they didn't even know it. Now, in our account here, it talks about living water, right? And when I think about, and by the way, if you see me drinking water, I think I drink almost a gallon of water before worship. I was thinking about that this morning. But when I think about living water, uh, I think about uh, the artesian wells along the St. Croix River in Minnesota. We would take canoes down and we'd stop and there would be artesian wells just literally bubbling up from the surface. And that water was the freshest, cleanest pure water you would ever drink. It was never stale. It was never brackish. And it was a never-ending supply. That's what I think of in living water. Anybody thirsty right now? (laughs) Hold on one second. (laughs) I mean, I, I really, I wish that that artesian well, that living water was right in front of me right now. Well, what Jesus is saying to this woman, she's saying, he's saying basically, What you need, what you're dying for, what you're thirsting for is right in front of you. The gift from God is right in front of you. This very day, this very moment, hearing these words, Christ Jesus is right in front of you, offering you a gift. But she didn't understand the spiritual implications, did she? Then the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. How do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. The woman didn't understand. It was more like, huh? What? I don't get it. I mean, when you talk about spiritual matters with people who are not born again, the normal reaction you should, under, you should know is kind of like, huh? I don't get it. I mean, just in chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, Jesus had been talking to Nicodemus, right? A very learned man, a very bright man. And Jesus said, you must be born of water and the Spirit. You must be born again. And Nicodemus was like, huh? I got to be born again? So just know when you talk about spiritual matters with people, it might take a little while for them to catch on, as did with this woman. So she basically chided Jesus. She was saying, are you greater than our father Jacob? Really? And by the way, when you talk to people about Jesus, they might say, are you saying that Jesus is better than Islam, is better than Buddhism, is better than Hinduism, is better than anything else? The answer is yes. 
Yes, he is. There's only one way to quench your spiritual thirst, and that's Christ Jesus. So he's leading this woman to the path of water. He says to her this, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now there's two parts of it. The first part is that everyone who drinks of this water, the water from that well, is going to be thirsty again. The second part is that Jesus offers water that will quench your thirst eternally. So let's take a look at that first part. That first part, quenching our thirst. You know, just like that story from the woman uh, who was at Pastor Tory's church, people do have a spiritual thirst, don't they? And they try to water themselves with religion, philosophies, things of this world, but they're constantly drooping, right? It never quite, just, it just never quite makes it. Something's missing here. It's that thirst. And the more they try to quench their thirst with the things of the world, they find that it becomes empty and empty and empty. There's a song that Peggy Lee sang many years ago. You might know it. Is that all there is? Do you know that song? Old song, but here's the refrain. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friend, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. If that's all there is, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's a very sad song, isn't it? It's a very sad song. So what Jesus is pointing out to this woman and thus to us is the emptiness that we have when we don't have him. You see, there is no satisfaction of spiritual thirst apart from God, apart from Christ Jesus. The Lord let us know that in many, many ways. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For my people, this is the Lord speaking, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So first of all, forsaking God, but then trying to satisfy your thirst, cistern, that it will hold no water. Is that all there is? But Jesus in that second part says, there is something that I have for you that quenches your thirst eternally. Then the woman said to him, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or or have to come here to draw water. So now she's interested, right? She still doesn't quite get it. There's a spiritual awakening happening, but she still doesn't quite get it. She wants what Jesus has to offer without actually wanting Jesus. And that's what happens with a lot of people. They want the benefits of Christianity without Christ. So Jesus, by his statements, is drawing her in leading to a spiritual awakening, the satisfaction of her soul. But here's the catch. Becomes, becoming spiritually awake 
is something that comes with a price. It also means looking at the sin in your life. So that's the price of spiritually awakening to Christ Jesus. Look, if you have a shallow idea of sin, you will have a shallow idea of Jesus, our Savior. But if you know how great a debtor, just just like the song said, if you know how great a debtor you are, then you will know how great a Savior we have in Christ Jesus. And you start to thirst for him. Listen what it says in Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. See, when you are spiritually awakened, your thirst, you start to thirst for pardon. You start to thirst for holiness. You thirst for salvation. When you know that you are a sinner separated from God, you thirst for forgiveness and a restored relationship. If you are not thirsty for Christ, you just might want the benefits of Christianity without Christ. Are you thirsting for these things? So now Jesus gently points out her sin, doesn't he? He says, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, can you imagine what she probably did? She said, I have no husband. She probably tried to hide the sin, right? I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you said is true. Now, her response is pretty telling, right? Up to this point, she's been pretty talkative with this Jewish rabbi. But now Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. He gets to the heart of the matter, and her response regarding that whole sin is, I have no husband. She kind of clamps down like most of us do. So Jesus brings her, draws her in, regarding her sin, and now he basically says, are you ready to hear what I have to offer? So let's go to the next part, because living water is received in worship, in spirit, and in truth. It's John 4, 19 through 24. I just have 23 up on the screen there. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So there's a lot in there. We're going to take a look at just three aspects of what Jesus said about worship. So first of all, worship is not a matter of place it is a matter of faith. It is a matter of belief. 
So it is not a matter of coming to church, although we should all come to church because there's something about worshiping together as a body that misses when you are apart from the body. But worship itself is not just the church, and it is not the ritual of coming to church. There are many people in America, in churches, that come to church and there is no worship in their life. Jesus said, believe. And we know that he has said, believe in me. Believe in me and worship God the Father. And then the worship is now. For Jesus, when he was speaking with a Samaritan woman, it was now, he was there present at that moment. The crucifixion had not yet taken place. The resurrection had not taken place. But the hour was now. There is an urgency behind all of this. Not a sometime later worship. Not a, I'll come to Christ at another time when it's more convenient for me. <laughs> One member was just talking about how there's a football game apparently this morning. I didn't even know there's a football game. And I bet there's a lot of people who said, yeah, I'll catch it on the rerun. Whether they're going to catch on the rerun, not football, but the worship. But the worship is now. It's here. It should be a vibrant thing for you. And finally, the worship is in spirit and truth. Those two words go together, in spirit and truth. You can't separate one from the other. There are a lot of people who say, well, yeah, I just go out in nature and I have my time of worship there. And I say, really? Do you find God's word in nature? Do you find Christ Jesus there? Do you find that you are convicted of your sin and pointed ever more towards Christ Jesus? See, that's a, a very fuzzy spirituality that many people have. Now, by the way, I love going out in nature and I love seeing God's creation. Make no mistake about that. But is that worship? Not necessarily. And you must worship in spirit and in truth. And where are we going to find truth nowadays? You're going to find truth in God's word. So if you want to worship Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, you must worship in spirit through the agency of the Holy Spirit and through his word, which is what we do every week, right? His word, spirit and in truth. It must be both. Like I said, there's a lot more in there, but let's continue on here. So living water is ultimately found in Christ Jesus. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, our English translations really don't capture fully what Jesus said. A very literal translation would be, I am who speaks to you. Does that sound familiar? We covered that last week, and we've covered that many times. I am. This is the holy name of God. I am who speaks to you. The Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior of the world, God himself 
You see, the question of living water is not a what, but it's a who. The satisfaction for the thirst of your soul is not a what, it is a who. The living water is Christ Jesus. He is the living water. A couple of verses you should hear this morning regarding Jesus being the living water. John chapter 7 says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then Revelation, the last book of the Bible, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. In chapter 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And I would add, come. So this morning for you, are you looking for the satisfaction of your soul? Look to Christ Jesus. Are you in a dry time of your life? Be refreshed by Jesus, the living water. And has worship become just a routine? I would say, come to him in spirit and in truth. And all the people said, Amen.